Hello and welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Arkansas. I'm Greg Harton, editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Today we're going to talk about something we've had plenty of in Arkansas in recent weeks, water. As we record this, large areas along the Arkansas River have seen serious flooding, damaging homes, businesses, and farms. We're mindful of our fellow Arkansans and the struggles they're going through and pray that the worst of it has passed so they can start to get their lives back. On speaking of Arkansas today, though, we're not talking about floodwaters necessarily. We're discussing water that constantly flows into Beaver Lake. That also means we're talking about our supply of drinking water for much of Northwest Arkansas. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers completed Beaver Lake substantially in 1965. It was built for downstream flood control, generating electricity, and recreation. But another big impact was creating a reservoir to provide a stable source of drinking water for the region. In the 54 years since Beaver Lake became a reality, Northwest Arkansas has changed dramatically. Benton County's population is seven times larger than it was in 1960. Washington County has more than quadrupled its population. Many credit Beaver Lake as the foundation of the region's economic growth. Ironically, development of property that comes with a bigger population can have a detrimental effect on Beaver Lake itself. My guest today, Alan Fortenberry, just retired after 28 years with the Beaver Water District, 18 of them as its chief executive. Thank you, Alan, for being here today. Thank you, Greg. And Clell Ford became executive director of the Beaver Watershed Alliance a little more than a year ago. Prior to that, he spent 21 years as lake manager in Highlands County, Florida, which has more than 100 lakes. Clell, I appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you very much, Greg. Uh, let's start with some basics about your organizations and why they exist. Alan, would you tell me briefly about uh, the Beaver Water District and its mission? <laughs> Beaver Water District uh, has existed since 1959. It is a political subdivision in the state of Arkansas. It uh, is formed in accordance with the uh, uh, stipulations that are set forth in state law for regional water districts. Act 114 in 1957 uh, is the enabling legislation for Beaver Water District. If it wasn't the first, it was one of two that were formed right around uh, 50, between 57 and 59. The purpose of regional water districts uh, is stated in the enabling legislation, and it's stated that <clears throat> their sole purpose is to, uh, at that time, the original legislation said that it was to uh, sell water, drinking water. Uh, they've operated under that uh, for a long time now. The legislation was amended many times. Uh, they can get into irrigation. Some regional districts are for irrigation water. Some are uh, for wastewater. Uh, but still, the, the primary purpose is to produce and sell wholesale to uh, municipalities or water associations or uh, utilities such as that. And you've got um, the four big cities, I guess, in Northwest Arkansas, Rogers, Springdale, uh, Fayetteville, uh, Bentonville, that were the initial customers. That's right. Uh, and, uh, and still that way? And still that way. Okay. Uh, the, when, you, when you form a regional water district, you have to petition the circuit court, and the circuit court really establishes uh, the... Okay. And, then the board members are appointed initially, and then from that point on, they are elected officials. 
So they are not, uh, they're not appointed by any mayor or county judge or anything like that. They are elected by the populace. And in our case, in Beaver Water District's case, there are two counties, Washington and Benton counties. And the four customers originally uh, were Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, and Bentonville, and that still is the same customers that they have today. Now those cities turn around and, and wholesale it and retail it both uh, to smaller towns or water associations. And really there are, there are four utilities that wholesale drinking water out of Beaver Lake and three of them are formed under Act 114. Okay. And that's, you've got Carroll County. Carroll Boone County. Okay. And uh, Madison County are both Act 114 districts. Okay. The one that most people call Two-Ton. Right. It's the Benton, Washington uh, uh, Regional Public Water Authority. It's formed under a different okay. legislation, but it is wholesaler. And, uh, and that serves a lot of the rural communities in Benton and Washington. Right, County, it, it, it encircles, it goes primarily around in Washington and Benton County, but to the west. And okay. so they start, uh, their intakes a little further down the lake towards uh, Vitrus Holler. And um, they um, go all the way to uh, South Fayetteville area and, and south of Fayetteville and, and serving all of that area. Okay. Um, uh, well, Clell, tell us a little bit about the uh, the alliance. Well, we're not nearly that old. Uh, <laughs> we were actually uh, uh, officially formed in May of 2011. Uh, the alliance is really a child, if you will, of the vision of a lot of uh, smart folks in Northwest Arkansas, from the Northwest Arkansas Council, uh, Walton Family Foundation, uh, and Beaver Water District. Uh, pay, they play very large roles in the creation of the alliance. Our role is really to protect that quality drinking water, the quality drinking water supply for Northwest Arkansas, and to protect the integrity of the watershed itself, and that's where most of our work comes from. And we do a great deal of source water protection projects for uh, the entire watershed. Mostly, of, most of our work, rightly so, is down uh, is upstream of the intake for uh, the water district because that's where most of the problems are. And the number one problem, people don't understand this or realize it, but it's actually mud. Uh, sediment erosion uh, from stream, stream bank erosion, I think the estimate now is there 250,000 tons of sediment every year, Alan, I think that's the number we have right now, that flows into Beaver Lake from the upstream watershed. Okay, and as, as Beaver Water District, as that sediment comes in, then you guys would have to deal with that. We get right? to take it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they get to take it okay. out. I'm retired. So, yeah. but uh, they, Beaver Water District then removes that down to the limits by federal and state law, um, the regulations that they work under. Okay. And, uh, and then wholesale it so that you and I can drink it uh, out of our taps. So, the operating theory of, of keeping Beaver Lake uh, in good condition is is one just ecologically but two for for drinking water purposes i guess the less that you have to do to treat that water the less money we're spending on Absolutely. it uh, the, the just the easier it is to get drinking water right. to people um uh, if you start with a good product absolutely it comes with a cost everything comes with a cost sure. but removing all of that mud as clell said mm -hmm. uh, from the water to make drinking water 
Uh, it costs the district probably around half a million dollars a year to, and then it's a problem to dispose of it. A lot of it has to go into uh, a landfill, and that's kind of wasting our precious landfill space. Uh, so yes, it comes at a cost, uh, not only to the district but to the ratepayers. Okay. Um, so let's talk for a minute about Beaver Lake. People know it's a pretty good sized body of water and that it's not a natural lake. It's, it's man-made. Um, they know that it was created by a dam on the White River. Um, they know that it's a water supply and a great place for fishing and skiing and boating and swimming. Um, but Alan, tell me uh, kind of how you view Beaver, Beaver Lake. What, you know, why, what is vital for people of Northwest Arkansas to know about this body of water in terms of protecting it and, and making sure that it's here for many years for, for, uh, as, a, as a good water supply? I think the main thing, Greg, is just for people to understand the significance or the importance. Uh, you, there is so much apathy. I don't mean to be cruel because I, I don't know that I knew as much about water or had the appreciation of water until I went to work for Beaver Water District. Uh, so it's not something that is unusual to we humans. Um, we expect somebody to clean it up. We expect somebody to keep it safe for us to drink or, or use. And, and the reality of it, about 1% probably is actually consumed. Most of it uh, we use to wash our clothes, dishes, and that. But it, the significance of that body of water and how important it is, absolutely vital to human health. And that's the way Beaver Water District looks at it is from a human health standpoint. So if you protect that source, as Clell uh, mentioned, and uh, trying to move to try to protect that from contamination, then that's, that's just a barrier that you have to uh, have peace of mind that your water is safe. So if people would recognize the significance of it uh, from a personal standpoint, from a family standpoint, but from a standpoint, uh, if, if the lake uh, becomes more polluted, and it's really a good quality lake, really a high quality lake. But we've got to maintain that. And, and if it becomes polluted, technology is such that it can be done. It's going to cost a tremendous amount of money, not only individually, but if you think of all the industries that use the water. So the growth of Northwest Arkansas is absolutely predicated on the availability of drinking water from that lake, not only in this area, but also all the way to Harrison, uh, all, you know, up into uh, Missouri and into Oklahoma and all the way down to, to Winslow. And Clell's right too, it, it's not out in the lake that the contamination has come from. It's south of Fayetteville, it's east of Fayetteville, it's all the way back to Pettigrew. It's, going over towards Eureka Springs. It's, you know, it's, it's a big area that he has to, to look at to try to help preserve the water quality in Beaver Lake. Well, Cloud, def define that for us a little bit. Uh, uh, it's, uh, Beaver Lake is not right. the title of your organization. <laughs> no, it's Watershed. watershed exactly. Um, for, for folks that aren't familiar with, with the, how a lake functions uh, in this instance, what are we talking about with the watershed? Well, let's back up, Greg, and talk about what the watershed. Watershed is 1,192 square miles. It's the area that drains, all the area that drains to Beaver Lake, and not just 
the surface it's also some of that that shallow groundwater that comes in influences what's going on and all this is true for any watershed it whatever's happening on that land surface impacts that water downstream so the more impacts you have whether it's pavement roofs industry or even agriculture, and I, I say that I like to eat, obviously. Um, but, uh, there are a lot of things that um, practices that have been done in the past that perhaps we're trying to amend, uh, trying to get things so that we can do a better job of protecting that that source water. We have a very large project, <clears throat> excuse me, going on right now in the West Fork of the White River called the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. And that is uh, RCPP for short. Yeah. yeah. That is a, a, a multi-agency group, and I'll probably leave somebody out, and, and Alan will correct me, but uh, the NRCS is very involved with that Natural Resources Conservation Service. Uh, we partner uh, also with the, the Beaver Water District. The Walton Family Foundation has some, some, uh, some skin in that game, too, for sure. And the, the, uh, one of the, the, the lead uh, agents, agencies, I guess nonprofits for that, is the Water, Watershed Conservation Resource Center, the WCRC, just based here in Fayetteville and they are doing a tremendous amount of work to actually do stream restorations and they do it and they have two different separate ways of going about doing this the large-scale stuff the sort of things that uh, you may have seen at the the uh, uh, down at Drake Field Fayetteville Airport those are actually funded through a separate pot of money called the PL 566 watershed program it's a federal funding source we also do a great deal of work for private landowners, not for private landowners, with private landowners who have signed up through this environmental quality incentives program, and uh, one of the, I guess, the, the one of the best success stories or the recent success stories, we just finished a project. Um, we do stream measurements every year, and uh, from one year to the next, so you can see how much uh, uh, stream bank is lost. And in one case, uh, from May 2017 to May 2018, uh, one of our landowners lost four acres of land that washed into the lake. And we, uh, the, this is something that the WCRC was made aware of, and they went back in and were able to get these folks signed up and get some of this equipped funding, and they were able to do a stream bank restoration along that property line. So those are the sorts of things we're trying to do to slow down all of that erosion that's going in the lake. The, um, the waterways that, that lead to Beaver Lake, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they've existed for ever ever um <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh what is it that is i mean are we are we seeing erosion happening that that hasn't historically happened well streams rivers move back and forth through right, the channels right. we have changed and part of it is is local change part of it may be considered from other sources but we have certainly changed the amount of energy that's coming down those streams uh, as I was reading some something in the paper, we've had floods forever. Uh, you know, the 27 flood was not uh, just a lot of rainfall. There wasn't a lot of development, just a lot of water. Today, the sort of flooding that we would get in these areas, some of it certainly it has to have a lot of rainfall, but also it's exacerbated by the amount of change of that landscape that we've done. Every time you take out trees, most of the watershed was forested prior 100 years ago. Um, and that watershed, all those trees do a great job of holding on to that water and putting it back in the ground, slowing it down. That's what naturally used to happen. Well, we 
don't, we have a lot of trees, about 60, 70% of the watershed is still forested, but that 30% that we've taken away makes a big difference in the hydrology of those streams. And we do see a lot of that sort of stream bank erosion. We are doing projects right now to reduce that, how much energy is coming down those streams. And when you're talking about energy, you're, you're talking about volume of water, but also force. speed, mm -hmm. the, the force at which exactly. it's hitting those stream banks and, and as it- Causing that cut. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Um, you know, I know for me, I, when I think of watershed protection, I, you're right. I don't think so much of sediment uh, mm -hmm. or erosion. I think of, uh, uh, you know, the trash that I see out right. here on College Avenue or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that uh, every time I, I see it, I, was, I, I think, okay, that's going to end up in a drain someplace mm -hmm. and, and end up in our water well, uh, system. Will, that's uh, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, it, it, all, it all heads downhill. Mm -hmm. that's right. um, so to, to, you've got the sediment issue, but mm -hmm. how serious in northwest Arkansas are the issues of, of pollutants that, that we mankind has created, you know, plastics and, and those sorts of things? Those are certainly serious serious pollution problems. As I, uh, I used to, to teach environmental science and I, I would tell uh, my students, anything that's on a car is going to fall off that car eventually, whether it's the lead wheel weights or whether it's the oil in the engine, uh, hopefully slowly, or the, the ethylene glycol, whatever it is, it's going to leak out and that adds to contamination. Anytime you have a, a pavement surface that runs directly into a body of water, certainly into the, the White River, uh, that is going to contribute to it. We, uh, we're very strong advocates in the Alliance for putting in installing low impact development, parking lots of type things. Uh, these, these things that actually will filter that water into the ground and before it, it gets discharged. So we certainly see those things. There's a perception among the public, we did a survey I guess 2017, where we asked them what they thought the number one threat was to uh, Beaver Lake and Beaver Water Quality. And their number one answer uh, is the stuff you can see. They would think that the worst problem we have is just, as you said, Greg, trash. Indeed, the number one problem we, is, is uh, that the sediment. But reducing those, uh, those non-point source contaminants, those, those things that, that run off parking lots or run off rooftops, even fertilizer from our lawns and things like that, that's also a high priority for us. But you're saying that the, even the sediment issue has been, ex, I guess, accentuated or, or, or dramatized by our development yes. practices in Northwest Arkansas. It has. There, are, we're going to grow, and we're going to obviously we're going to keep growing. Uh, I was looking at some numbers uh, since uh, 2000. Uh, we've added 64 uh, percent to our population. You know, 311,000 to the lower five. That's that's stunning to me. It still it still kind of uh, uh, shocks me. Which is a, it's a good thing. The economic engine is here with Beaver Lake. But what we've got uh, to remember is we're going to grow. We have to grow smart. There are ways which we can continue to add people. We just have to have more conscious thought about putting in the right sorts of things. Everybody in the watershed, everybody who has a house in the water, you know, every individual can actually do something. You may think, oh, I, I can't do anything. It's too big for me. Well, the truth of the matter is everybody, we have opportunities for everybody in the watershed to do something to slow that water down and hold on to it on their landscape. Okay. So, the... Um so over time, you've seen, Alan, uh, development proposals that have come up. I remember, this is many years ago, that there was a condo project up on, on in the Benton County end of uh, Beaver yeah. Lake. And uh, I think there have been some out uh, Highway 12 uh, 
of subdivisions uh, that near the lake that were going to have septic systems. Um, uh, you know, what is, what is the balance uh, that we've got to create? Because I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never heard you, you guys or your organization saying, stop development now. Um, but on those specific kind of projects, I think you guys have kind of stepped up and said, wait a minute, we're worried about this. Um, so kind of help me to understand how, how that how y'all think through those those uh, things you see happening out there in the community, and and how you guys have to have had to uh, try to defend the lake more or less. Well, I think we've always, and I think that was driven by board members like Hardy Croxton or Walter Turnbow or John Lewis, uh, and it is currently driven by the board today that. Uh, we want people's attention to what's going on, and we want to preserve that water quality. So we do step up at times, and at times we offer concern. Sometimes we go further than that, and uh, if necessary, you know, we've considered legal actions in regard to, you know, certain things happening. Real estate, location, location, location. So it, it it's, it's highly dependent upon where the development is taking place, and uh, we don't we don't oppose development uh, because that's good for the area, and that's but well, it's just a good thing. But you have to be smart uh, in how you go about developing. Clell's right. I mean. The, the the reason for contamination, whether it be sediment or whether it be nutrients, uh, is the flow of water, and that's hydrology uh, over a landscape, and the speed of the water moving. Um, nutrients are a big component of that. Um, we look at nutrients in the same light. Again, it's a very all of that mud that Clell mentioned that's washed off. It carries nutrients. And nu as as nutrients, you know, to me, to the to the you know, un 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 unknowledgeable uh, like me, I mean, that sounds like a good thing. Well, nutrients yeah, need, are a good you, thing. You, you need, need nutrients for your body, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but nutrients in this case is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and they're primarily nutrients for plant growth. Is um, and phosphorus has been an issue up here in Northwest Arkansas for a long, long time. Not only in the White River Basin, but also in the Illinois River Basin. Uh, it's been litigated on the Illinois sure. Reservation. Um, what it causes, and a lot of people offer complaints, uh, they'll call up and, I, you know, I've been verbally abused before in regard to the taste or the smell of the water at certain times of the year. And part of the reason is the nutrients, uh, the phosphorus and the nitrogen primarily grows algae which are plants so the phytoplankton are primarily what causes that taste and odor issue and sometimes it's in the spring but all the time it's in the fall too uh, most people consider it the turnover the late turnover and that it takes place about the same time but it is driven by nutrients and that's one of the reasons that you know the district has always been critical from the standpoint of very intently watching the activities, regulations, uh, activities, not just agriculture, but um, development of housing. Uh, then you start, whether it's septic tanks or whether it's a sewer system, um, 
you start being concerned about bacteria. And we know that we're going to have to remove all of that and we're going to have to deal with issues brought on by those contaminants. So the district uh, has a vital concern and has always been concerned and, and they have always um, paid a lot of attention back upstream of our intake because we know that that is the problem which we're going to have to deal with. But we also pay attention downstream. You mentioned the condos and again the people that were looking at developing that, uh, they came and visited with us and they were willing to input certain measures. It, it was still, and, and they failed because the populace didn't want them and more from aesthetic issues than, but uh, they would have implemented certain measures that would have helped protect the water quality. They were willing to do that. And that's what I think you've got to do about all the developments. You've got to be willing to, to protect it. Uh, from an engineering standpoint, um, that's what Clell's dad uh, was a professor in engineering at the U of A when I was in school. And uh, But from an engineering standpoint, you have to take into account, here's the way it's going to work most of the time, but what happens if it fails? And in certain areas, there has been, and even in Washington County, there was a development that that the district was opposed to because of the location of it right on the shoreline. So what are you going to do with the wastewater? What uh, you're going to put it in septic tanks and you need, uh, according to the regulations, you need a, a certain amount of land to, to have that you could properly deal with that. And what happens if something goes wrong? Who's going to suffer? Is that homeowner? No, the population of Northwest Arkansas. So it's a very, very important matter that we try to uh, oversee and and look out for even even more stringently than than a lot of the regulatory agencies. We have no the district has no authority to act unless it is a litigated matter, but um, and even then that's up to the judges and the courts. But um, but we try to call their attention to situations that may happen. Um, I'll just give you my impression, and you can, can tell me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but. Uh, it, it would seem to me that cities probably have more mechanisms in place that offer protections than counties do. I would uh, say that, that, that counties in Arkansas, throughout Arkansas, um, tend to be a little bit more, uh, you know, hands off, or or uh, uh, certainly the property rights issue, you know, crops up in these discussions. Uh, but but. Tell me from both of your perspectives kind of how we're doing at the county level and the and the city levels uh, uh, as far as our development policies, as far as our protecting water resources kind of uh, policies. Uh, how do you think they're doing out there? Well, I, th I, think, it, I think it varies. I, I think that in the time that, that we've been involved, I, I would agree with your assessment. I think that counties are reluctant to start getting into what's called zoning issues of, of prescribing how you may use your land. Um, you know, we've gone through situations where that's been uh, attempted before and, and uh, at times failed. Um, but that's what I'm talking about as far as the proper, um, proper oversight and management. Uh, if you want to retain a lot of agricultural land and not lose that from your culture, then you need to zone it. You need to say, I, we're going to keep this 
Agland. Cities do that. But I think even cities up here, it, it depends on the city. I think the city of Fayetteville has made tremendous strides. And um, we, the, the district has a cooperative agreement with the city of Fayetteville. And, and they, they have enacted ordinances like the Streamside Ordinance. Uh, they, and, and again, they take it very seriously in trying to protect not the lake because they don't touch the lake necessarily, but the streams that feed the lake. And you're talking kind of, about their their streamside protection ordinance. Yes, sir. That, yeah. uh, yes, sir. If you live, if you if your property is within so many feet of, yeah. of a stream that that flows into and all that, the all yeah, that, 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 that kind of goes to Clay's comment. It, it's not the everybody has an impact. It's the cumulative effect of everybody that makes the water quality in the stream and then in the lake. So even if you just got a small city lot you can have an impact. And, and again, the city of Fayetteville has done a tremendous job. The others, the other cities have, have undertaken actions and, and taken measures too. I don't mean to belittle their efforts, but uh, to me, the city of Fayetteville stands out on that. For the district, they have more potential to have greater impact than say Bentonville does because Bentonville is downstream of our intake and they're kind of offset from the streams that go into Beaver Lake. Uh, so their impact is minimized by geography more than anything else. Okay. Well, in terms of uh, following what Alan was, was saying, most of the people who drink the water in the industries who use the water are not actually in the Beaver Lake watershed. They're to the west. Uh, so you look at, at uh, Benton County and, and uh, west, most of Fayetteville, though you know, we, we appreciate the efforts of the city of Fayetteville to do all that they do to protect are the streams that flow into the White River, but they do the same thing for those streams that flow into the Illinois River. So there's, uh, they have that, that ethic, not saying the other cities don't have that and aren't working in that direction because I know that they are. Our difficulties that we have often where the growth we see coming is in the small towns. You know, whether it's uh, Goshen or Elkins or West Fork or Huntsville uh, and, and other smaller Greenland. towns. Greenland. Oh, Greenland, yes. Um, they, Bethel uh, Heights. Bethel, let's, throw, Beth, well, let's throw that out there today. <laughs> Bethel Heights is not in our watershed. So, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing. Well, yeah, 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 sir. There but is. there, you, you could mention others that are, and we won't. Um, but they, the opportunity for us to partner with those small communities is growing and something that they want to see. I've heard, I've gotten calls from the mayors of those small towns saying, I have this development, it just popped up on us and we didn't do, we couldn't do anything about it. Thinking, well, you're, it's too late for us to help you right now, <laughs> but we are trying to move in the direction of providing that sort of guidance for those smaller cities. We have a good partnership right now with uh, the city of Greenland with Mayor Bill Groom. He's, uh, he's been a great uh, partner with us and we're working with him on that, uh, they're doing a, a, a Riverside uh, park or a riverfront park. I'm not sure what he's calling it these days, but it's right there at the 71 bridge. Uh, and they're, they're restoring that and going to make that put in place for kayaks to go all the way down that, that restored, they're restoring that, that part of the river to make it more of a, uh, uh, of an actual place you can float. There's a lot of work that has to be done downstream, but it's really small areas that the small towns that we see a lot of challenges in. Not to say the counties aren't capable of doing things and I, I've, I've heard an interest, I've seen an interest 
uh, from Washington County in particular in doing some unpaved roads work. Uh, we're still going to work with them to, to see if we can't uh, get them a little more focused on that. Uh, so we're, we're certainly working with the counties, and, and don't leave Madison County out. Madison County also, uh, we want to work with them a lot on those sorts of things. Yeah, so, and, and, and Washington County has, in my opinion, uh, taken efforts towards not strictly zoning like a city does, but uh, you know, in, in land use development uh, and trying to manage that. They, and in certain cases on certain projects, they've been very out front and, and held up certain developments that were very problematic mm -hmm. to us. We worked real good with them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't ever want you know, rural life to be treated the same as city life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, there really ought to be a different feel out there for what government is doing and, and, and all. But at the same time, it, uh, uh, you, I would think you do want somebody at every level of government at least asking the question, what does this do to our watershed? Yes, that's exactly right. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, I guess from y'all's experience that that varies from city to city, county to county, mm -hmm. as to whether anybody's really asking those questions. Well, I think more and more they are asking those questions. Okay. I think we're raising that awareness. <clears throat> the fact that they, want, they, they see the growth, they want to protect... What, what brings people to Northwest Arkansas besides just a job? Mm -hmm. The beauty. And a part of that beauty is the, the, the rural nature, the trees, and those sorts of things. And the amenities. You know, you've got the Razorback Trail. You've got the lake. You've got those sorts of things, too. But we've got to protect those things. And it's a part of the, the sense of uh, where you are uh, in a very unique place. It's just gorgeous up here. So from an individual perspective, you know, what can I do? I mean, you know, what, what can people listening to this do? Um, these are the types of issues that almost seem too big for an individual to have a, a big impact on. But, uh, but what do people need to do day to day that, that helps with our watershed? Well, in terms of the sorts of, of things we offer, the, the Alliance office, and our, our partners in the Illinois River do the same thing. That's most of the Northwest Arkansas area. We do offer, uh, we actually have many grants for people to uh, install things called rain gardens to help with that. And that rain garden will actually, <clears throat> if you have an uh, average size lot, what's that, a quarter acre in Fayetteville, um, it can actually, for a fairly small area, capture 70 to 80 percent of that water running off of your property and hold that and put it back in the ground rather than having it hit that pavement and run downstream. Anybody can do that. I mean, we don't have a lot of money for that, but we certainly can get you going. We also provide some of the uh, uh, links to those consulting services to, to do those sorts of things. You can recycle. Uh, and re I know recycling is mandatory, but not everybody has to, you know, have to do it. You can still throw aluminum cans away. But reducing that load uh, that's going in our landfills is going to be an important part of it as well. Uh, simply using less fertilizer on your property. Listening to, there's a, a group called the, uh, the Master Gardeners. They can provide you with, with the, the right sort of guidance on that. And if you're going to be uh, planting trees, please plant native trees. Uh, we have a program every spring that we, uh, this last spring, we gave out 16,000 bare root seedlings for people to plant, whether you're on a, a stream bank or whether you're on the side of a hill. Uh, we didn't plant them all because there's only seven in my staff, but 16,000 uh, bare root uh, trees. And now those won't 
have some sort of immediate impact. You won't see a change within a week. Um, but 10 years from now, you will see that, that those trees that you plant are making a difference within that watershed. And we offer that to anybody who lives in the watershed. So those are just a few of the things that we offer to individuals to help them do a better job of being good stewards of the environment. Uh, do, do those work? And uh, I, I remember taking my kids years ago, uh, this was on the Illinois River mm -hmm. side of uh, where we planted trees like crazy mm -hmm. the little saplings yeah. um uh and uh uh you know i walk through there now and i you know for the amount of trees we planted it's still not some it, there's still not a lot of trees there some places it works better than others that's yeah. very true greg yeah. uh, i've seen though there's a uh we have a one of the members of our board <clears throat> has some uh, owns some land on the middle fork and he took me out and showed me a, a place where there's actually been a natural stream bank restoration. A couple of snags of uh, sycamore trees, I think, got hung up. And this had been a great, tremendous amount of, of erosion been happening in this area. And in, in his, uh, he, he said, well, look at, you know, it was 10 years ago. And those, those trees held up the sediment just enough to allow all the rest of the, 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 the trees to, to fill in. And that stream bank mm -hmm. has now been naturally restored. So they do work. It does, it does take time, though. And I've also heard, you know, the, the failures. But I think we need to make that effort continue to do that. One of the things, your question, what can an individual do? One of the things is they could educate themselves oh, and they yeah. can become involved. Uh, if you feel that something is very, very important to you and to your family, then you'll find out just about everything you can about, you know, what what is available through resources of different folks. I know that the Watershed Alliance, uh, they do a lot of educational events, they do a lot of stream cleanups, mm -hmm. uh, things like that on all the tributaries. They provide a lot of education, they can provide you with phone numbers and, and people, the USDA and other organizations that can answer questions and, and get you involved. Beaver Water District, uh, visit their webpage, BWDH20. Uh, uh, go out and Google it, and, and there's lots of things to be learned, lots of contacts and connections that you can make. But I think education is vitally important uh, to an individual. Absolutely. No yeah. doubt. Um, the uh, Fayetteville leaders, uh, this kind of speaks to the... Uh, uh, more of the man-made trash type issues. Uh, they've been talking a lot recently about uh, a, uh, either a ban or, or discouraging the use of, sell of uh, uh, foam cups. Mm -hmm. uh, right. A lot of people <clears throat> call them styrofoam yeah, brand, brand name. Brand name. Um, uh, or, or, and, and getting rid of plastic bags, uh, straws, uh, those sorts of things. Um, are are those measures that that when you guys hear uh, of a of a government level talking about doing that, it it makes you feel like that's having a huge impact, or does it have a rel relatively small impact? Well, it's a part of the education Alan was talking about. It's a part of making people aware that there really is no way. <laughs> we I love when I go to an event uh, with Beaver Water District. 
you will not find somebody with a a, a, a bottle of, of a plastic bottle of water you know this case of water they've got their cooler there with water and they got all these water bottles I don't know how many dot halls around but uh, we had an event out at Withrow Springs this last Saturday and there wasn't a plastic water bottle we found somebody hauled it in there and we didn't catch them <laughs> but they, they that it's education. It's, this is this is a reusable thing. You should be uh, using this over and over again. In fact, you can have it if you want it. Uh, but they they clean them and they reuse them, and that's the, that's just a, a a change in the mindset. It, it's uh, uh, after you continue to do something, it becomes a habit, and that habit kind of gets you in the habit of not going out and buying a case of bottled water because that water out of the tap is very very good. You can't buy bottled water that's better than what you can get out of the tap. Thanks to Beaver Water District, really. The, I've wondered, uh, you know, if I've, I've got my uh, my insulated, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. cup uh, that I drink things out of, and I and I've wondered if, okay, if I take that into McDonald's and buy I a drink or, or something, will they let me use that? Use that well, as opposed to whatever co- cup. Coffee that shops they... will let you refill your 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 travel mug. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I could actually put soda in, in my uh, my yeah. uh, bottle. It might here. explode uh, on me. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that one might explode on me. Um, but uh, I don't know whether they do that or not. I, I wonder. Um, I've never tried it. I guess we should tr- we should we should try that sometime or ask them. That might mm-hmm. be something the city might say. Hey, we can if the city would provide you with a cup that said "City of Fayetteville" on it. Uh, it was you know uh, a, a one of these uh, uh, high quality plastic cups you're going to reuse. Mm-hmm. Would a restaurant allow them to reuse that cup? Obviously, pay for the drink right. um, in in that cup. I wonder. No, that's a, I, that's I a guess question. It depends on the owner. But uh, but back to you know the Fayetteville's discussions about you know mm-hmm. banning you know uh, the styrofoam cups mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, yeah, you know, is is that the? Do you guys see enough of that in the world of of water quality? Well, from water that, quality on drinking water, it's mm-hmm. it's it's again more habit that you're trying to enforce. The reason that Beaver Water District hands out thousands of reusable plastic bottles uh, every year just gives them away is to try to encourage people to drink tap water rather than bottled water economics go go figure it out I mean <laughs> oh, yeah. just the economics of what you would spend um, so again it is the habit that as far as a water quality issue for drinking water no that's not, that's not the big is it does it reach the sediment or does it reach the the nutrient level of importance, no, um, but it, it goes towards it. If you build that habit, if you build that, uh, because it's sociological change that you're trying to deal with, mm-hmm. and if you start developing that, and that's one of the reasons that Beaver spends the resources they do in the education of children is mm-hmm. because of John Lewis. He, he beat it into my head that <laughs> if you educate the children, and the children then we'll ask the parents the you know questions that are embarrassing so the parent has to become somewhat <laughs> educated exactly right. yeah. in order to answer their children but also if you develop that that group up then they're more educated than the previous group um, in society and you know you just build on it over time you have to be patient and that's what I wasn't real patient but <laughs> That's the reason that Beaver dedicates that resources to educating children on water and water quality is to develop that new society of more intelligent people than than what I've been. 
we have a fantastic opportunity to see one of the things that uh, Beaver Water District built, that stream table. I love that stream table, <laughs> Alan. That is fantastic. Uh, two opportunities I know of coming up, because uh, we're going to be helping with it. The, the Alliance is going to be uh, using the stream table. At I think there's a, a stream, uh, uh, Know Your Stream Day, I believe, at the Shiloh Museum in Springdale on uh 15th. Yeah, the 15th of June. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, uh, the, the big event for um, the, the lake as far as what the Beaver Water District does besides treating water every day uh, is Secchi Day. And Secchi Day this year is August 17th and we'll have that stream table there. Uh, do all kinds of things. You get to do a, a Secchi dip in and I could we could come back and talk about that. I think that'd be a good thing. To get. That's the little dip. test for water clarity. Exactly. It's yeah, And yeah. it's been used by limnologists for more than 150 years. It's most reliable thing really you get right down to it uh, uh, the, the the fellow who came up with that was uh, uh, a priest in the Pope's Navy and it's been used ever since wow. as a matter of fact yeah kind of secchi so uh, those those are two events we also uh, in the month of July is Lakes Appreciation Month and the Alliance has all kinds of things to be going on during the month of July uh, for Lakes Appreciation Month Lots of opportunities. Oh yeah, for education, education um, and uh, stewardship, and all those things. Very good. Um, and we'll try to include some links in our description with uh, this uh, podcast, uh, so people can go get some information there. Um, uh, just as we wrap up, the uh, we hear from time to time, and I think we've heard a little bit here lately about swimming areas and E. coli <laughs> up on the lake. Uh, how? You know, how does that play into what you guys do, and and is that some kind of an indicator of the lake's health? Well, it, it drives uh, our phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> sure. What we we actually looked into this uh, rather carefully, and a lot of folks. In fact, we heard we've heard rumors. People say, well, it must be that wastewater treatment plant upstream that's causing the problem. Uh, really, the problem is much more local than that because E. coli. While it can live in open water, it doesn't like to. It's a, it's a, a, a gut bacterium where that's where it likes is most happy. So the source of that is probably much more close to those swim beaches than uh, a, a wastewater treatment plant or even the septic system. Um, there are certain uh, waterfowl that are resident on these uh, beaches, um, and I don't want to cast aspersions on our friend uh, Canada Goose, but uh, they are the ones who seem to be most cl uh, closely related. And this is true not just for Northwest Arkansas; it's true for many places where they see these swim beach closures. It's most often you'll see resident populations of the, of these uh, birds that are being either just attracted to the beach because it's an open beach, or they're being fed by people. So uh, that's Eventually, over the next week or so, they expect those geese to actually naturally move somewhere else, and uh, so the, the problem should be uh, uh, taken care of from that standpoint. Not to say we shouldn't be vigilant and a good thing that they do test those swim beaches, because regardless of the source of that E. coli, E. coli is not a, a that presence indicates you shouldn't be swimming in there, whether it came from, from uh, a goose or wherever it came from, but most likely that came from those, uh, those geese, and you, we, could, we could prove that but it would be very, very expensive to do that. It's much easier to say, okay, this is a, a, a place you shouldn't be swimming for a little But while. if you've got a swim area uh, at Rocky Branch or mm -hmm. at, at Prairie or Hickory Creek, whatever it is, uh, that, that is dealing with that, uh, people don't need to worry about the rest of the lake so much. Not I mean, the open it's water more part. of a localized yeah. type it's of sometimes. event. Yeah, sometimes. I, I, and I'm not totally disagreeing with Clell on that, but... When it when it comes a big storm event, that's true. our back tees and our intake go sky high. Yeah. 
that's not from geese. That's not from waterfowl. That's from the watershed. Mm-hmm. And again, so back to the, the cumulative effect is, you know, some people have asked before, are septic tanks a problem? They're part of the problem. They are part of the problem. Uh, leaking, uh, non-functioning, uh, uh, septic tanks are part of the issue. Wastewater treatment plants. In a wastewater treatment plant, they are they are permitted, uh, even, even small, just uh, package type plants for, um, uh, you know, just mobile home type uh, areas, uh, vacationing areas. They're permitted, uh, but they're not supposed to have any bacteria. So they chlorinate, they, they disinfect the water. Um, so it's, it is the cumulative effect. It, it could come from a runoff from pasture land it can come from septic tanks. It can come from uh, wastewater plants that uh, aren't uh, releasing in accordance with their permit. Uh, so it could come from all of them, and it can come from waterfowl too. Pretty much, ev- yeah. pretty much everything we do to that's right to our to the natural environment has the potential yes, to have yeah. a, a negative yeah. impact. Yes, exactly. but yeah. but is it an issue to the record? Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. because the and it's a financial uh, issue. Uh, when bacteria go up, you, you need to make sure that your disinfection equipment is functioning properly and you have to spend more money on chlorine because we're regulated, the district is regulated, that they can't have any, zero, uh, bacteria going out in the drinking water. M- uh, much more tightly, and Alan's exactly right that those overflows can cause lots of problems downstream. It's, uh, as, as we wrap up here, I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting to me kind of the whole circle of life type thing with the lake because you know without the development of beaver lake you you wouldn't have the development of northwest arkansas right that can then have the negative effect on beaver lake um and and also on attitudes because having uh we used to get water out of the white river uh, uh i know fayetteville used to get water out straight out of the white white mm-hmm. river down on pump station road mm-hmm. uh and uh the uh different communities had their different uh uh water resources uh, uh that uh not near as good as beaver lake um but now that we've had 54 years of a water uh, uh, an abundant water supply of quality water um you know the attitudes can be just to take it for granted. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and sure. so I think sometimes you guys might be battling, battling uh, that. Just, just you know, the the feeling that it's really not something we have to worry and about. There's a large component of the population here that doesn't remember the things that you just mentioned. Doesn't remember the fable taken from the West Fork or uh, Benville taken from Ford Springs or Rogers from Lake Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. they don't remember those, and mm-hmm. so they don't have the appreciation of the, of the significance of having Beaver Lake out mm-hmm. there. They, uh, they like it, but they, <laughs> oh, don't, yeah. they don't understand it, don't appreciate it. So I think both of us uh, encourage people to, to reach out, not only to Beaver Water District, uh, but also to Beaver Watershed Alliance uh, to find out more uh, about what's going on and what role they can play. All right, well, gentlemen, I sure appreciate you guys being here today good and visiting here, with Greg. us about yeah, it. Uh, we, we certainly want uh, Beaver Lake to, to be a good resource for many years to come, and uh, we appreciate your work on it. 
Congratulations on Thank your you. retirement, uh, you. uh, Alan. And uh, we're going to figure, we, figure a way to get him back in. <laughs> Absolutely, time for some volunteer work. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Clell, for being here as well. Thank you very much, Greg. That's it for this edition. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about these issues, check out the links we've included in the notes with this podcast. As always, you can give me your thoughts at my email, which is g harton. That's g h a r t o n at n w a d g dot com. Be sure to check back as we post new episodes, and of course you can subscribe to our Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette family of podcasts through your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. They're also available at nwaonline.com podcast. Until next time, this is Greg Harton for Speaking of Arkansas. Take care.